Any Harry Potter fans? Oh, yeah. A lot of Harry Potter fans. Are you saying yes to Pastor Davis? Yes, you're. <laughs> um, you know, uh, those of you who maybe don't know the story of Harry Potter, where have you been for 20 years, right? Um, the story of Harry Potter is uh, a story of a, an orphan boy who discovers that he's a good wizard and he's set up for an epic battle between good and evil. And once he finds out he's a wizard in the first book or movie, he goes to Hogwarts, which is wizard school. And as he's on his way there, he stops by Ollivander's shop to get a wizard's wand. And if you know the story, you, you know this scene. So we're going to hit the lights. Harry had tried out a couple of wands that weren't right, and then the shopkeeper finds him one more. an epic, epic moment. Now, then the shopkeeper says this. Okay, now, I have a few Harry Potter fans in my house, and over Christmas break, we got to go to Universal Studios to Harry Potter World, if you've ever been there. And, uh, one of my children, Andrew, is a Harry Potter nut. This is what he wanted to do. I mean, his life is complete now at 11 years old. He's been to Harry Potter world. And what he wanted to do, of course, was get his wizard's wand because they have a replicated Ollivander shop there. And you go in and you go into this dark room and it looks just like the movie. And there's a shopkeeper. And I want to show you now, of course, this isn't, you know, great cinematography. This is my iPhone that shot this. But I want to show you the video of Andrew getting his, his wizard's wand. Just like Harry Potter, he tried out a couple, they weren't right, and then this is what happens next. It was a, that was an epic moment. For me, it was, at least as a dad. You can go ahead and turn the lights back on, please. And so then the shopkeeper gives him the spiel. It says, Andrew, remember, the wand has chosen you for a price, of course, right? <laughs> um, but I show you that because I want to ask you this. Jesus has chosen you. And is that your reaction? chosen me. Because we all know what it's like to be rejected, right? We all know what it's like to be looked over uh, or to even be shamed or shunned or to be the kid who nobody wants on their kickball team on the playground. They're always the last one chosen. 
or, or to be the one nobody wants to sit with at the lunch table. We, we've all been in those places before. But here is the truth. God has chosen you. The Lord and the God of the universe has chosen you. Wow. Do you know that? Austin knows that, right? <laughs> he has chosen you. Do you know that? Not just do, could you know the right answer, but do you know this in the depths of your heart? Do you know this? Now, maybe you say, well, how do I know that for sure, Pastor? And my first response to you is because you're here. You're alive. God willed for you to exist. God is the one who said, live, and here you are. Here you are. This is what makes tomorrow so tragic in our country. Tomorrow marks the 45th anniversary of Roe versus Wade decision back in 1973. Do you realize that 10 times more than what Hitler did, 60 million times in this country, human beings have taken another human life and put it to death? A life that no matter what the circumstances of how that life began, and I understand sometimes there are tragic circumstances and difficult circumstances, but no matter the circumstances is a life, and it's a life that God called into existence. But we live in a birth control society. We think we're in control. We get to decide when we want life, when we don't want life, or when we want life to end. God, God calls to life. But if you want to deny that truth, you want to remove him from the equation, then what happens is we've got to now come up with our own definition of what it means to live. And then we've got to construct our own meaning to our lives and why we exist. We've got to construct our own happiness. And so we go to the usual suspects, right? Success and fame and money, pleasure, Whatever we think is going to do it for us. But of course, it doesn't work, right? The great irony is we live in a pleasure palace of a society. I mean, we have everything to make us happy, but we're miserable. We're depressed. We're filled with anxiety. We despair. We're constantly searching for the meaning to life. To be human, friends, is to be called by God. If you want to discover the fullness of your humanity, if you want to discover why you exist, if you want to discover authentic happiness and fulfillment in your life, then you have to hear this call from God and believe it. And he has not only called you and willed you into existence, now he has called you by name to come and follow him. Now again, maybe you'd say to yourself, well, okay, pastor, how do I know that for sure? He didn't walk up to me like he did to the disciples in the gospel reading on the Sea of Galilee's shore on the beach and look me in the eye and say, hey, you, Caillou, hey, you, come follow me. No, he, he didn't do that for me. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. In your baptism, Caillou, picking on you in your front row. You want to sit in the front row again. In your baptism, he said, Caillou, through the servant, the pastor, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now come and follow me. That's his invitation. And so if you know that, if you know that invitation, 
Will you do it? Are you going to follow him? Peter and Andrew and James and John did. And as they did, it transformed their lives. It gave new meaning to their existence. It gives the true meaning to our lives, friends, to follow Jesus. You see, we are made to be like Jesus. This is why we exist. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't live for himself. He doesn't live and then use us to make himself happy. Jesus lives for us. So this is why we've got to follow him, because we've got to learn that this is our meaning in life too. That we don't live for ourselves and just to make ourselves happy, but that we live for others. Here is how you discover your true self. This is why we've got to follow him so he would teach us this. Peter and Andrew, James and John went from being fishers of fish so they could eat fish and they could sell fish and make money for themselves. And Jesus said, come be fishers of men. And then they gave their lives, telling other people about Jesus who's given his life for us. And now in this Eucharist, in just a few moments, once again, this same Jesus gives his life to us. And in that is a profound call on our lives that we would go and do the same as we leave this place, that we would look at others and say, here is my life and I give it to you. Do you believe this? Will you follow him? And don't just say, I'll follow him. I mean, in fact, will you do it? Will you? Let's be honest. A lot of us say it. Maybe even show up for church. But what we're doing in our lives says something else. It's amazing to me how sometimes non-Christians act better than Christians do. There should be a difference, but in a positive way, right? Right? But Christian people, sometimes the filth that comes out of our mouths, not just the language that we use, but how we tear other people down, or the way we use our bodies, you know, sleeping around with whoever, just doing whatever makes me happy, getting drunk, getting high, partying, just having a good old time, just whatever, or what we're looking at and what we're watching and consuming. Now, I'm not talking about when we're struggling with these things or we make a mistake. I'm not saying there isn't grace. Of course there's grace and forgiveness. But it's another thing also to abuse that grace and forgiveness and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm forgiven, and just keep on doing it. And we raise in our kids, and this is our example, and then we wonder why they grow up and sort of go off the deep end. They, They launch from the home. Maybe they go to college, whatever. They launch, and they go off in the deep end. It doesn't upset us. We just say, oh, kids will be kids what they'll do. No! No, not if we're following Jesus. This is not how we live. This is not how we act. Not if he's called us. But let me ask you, here's what I'm driving at. If Jesus has chosen us, should that not change how we choose? Right? How do you make the decisions of your life? I'm talk- think about the big decisions you make in life, right? Um, those of you who are not married, but you know you want to be married someday, how do you choose a spouse? As a Christian, how do you choose a spouse? You know what most people do? Most guys will be like, dude, she's hot, right? We have a good time together. We, you know, we, we get along really well. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. Great. Is she going to bring you closer to Jesus? Is she going to help you raise your children to know Jesus? Or if you're a girl, the other way around, is that what he's going to do for you? Those of you who are in high school, big decisions are coming up, right? 
I know for some of you, it really kind of stresses you out quite a bit. What am I going to do? And people drive, like, people like me drive you crazy. Hey, what are your plans? What are you doing? Where are you going to go? What do you want to be with you? You know, what do, what do, you, what do you want to do with your life? Let me just tell you, if you want to find the real purpose on your life, you have got to move from, what do I want to do with my life? to what is Jesus calling me to do? And maybe those of us who are already in other stages of life are saying, yeah, what am I doing with my life? What? He's calling you too. Now, if anybody's kind of beginning to sort of push back from this a little bit and say, man, it sounds like Jesus just wants to control me. You're missing the point. It's never about what Jesus wants from you. Like he's trying to extract something from you that you don't want to give. It's always what Jesus wants for you. He loves you. If this Jesus of ours thought of you from the beginning of time, before time began, if he chose and and willed that you would exist someday now, and now he says to you, come follow me, don't you think he wants to give you something better than what you think is going to make you happy? Even if right now it seems kind of fun and a good time. Don't you think he wants to give you something even better than that? Because he does. Jesus doesn't give us less. He always gives us more. A more intense life. A more abundant life. He calls us friends, not just in the big decisions of life. Jesus is calling you each and every day of your life. Come and follow me. His calls to you are constant. Are you listening? Because he wants you to come and follow so he can show you who you really are and why you are here. And this is why we must pray. We must pray. And praying isn't so much talking to him and telling him what we think and what we want. It's listening for these calls that he's giving us constantly. It's looking to him to lead our lives. Jesus wants to show you he wants, you to sh- he wants to show you the way. This is why he calls you to follow. He's not trying to hide it from you. Now, granted, he works in his own time, which is not always our time. But Jesus isn't trying to hide anything from you. Nah, 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 you can't find it. No. I mean, here's the thing. When he chooses you, he not only gives you the grace to follow. If you follow, he gives you even more graces. That's what he wants to show you. I want us to listen one more time to the shopkeeper. Brothers and sisters, the Savior has chosen you. It's not always clear why and what he's up to. But it is clear that we can expect great things from him. And if you would follow him, we can expect great things from you. Would you just take a few brief moments to listen for his call on your life?